three, four. We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Hello and welcome to episode 164 of Dear Diaries, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We are back after a nice Thanksgiving holiday break, um, so that is pretty great. I'm Kyle Carr, one of your main hosts of the show. Joining me as always is my good friend Riley Feldman. Riley, how's it going? I'm doing really good, Kyle, and this is a huge update for all the longtime Dear Diary listeners. This is a huge update for all the Brew Hoop podcast listeners, the listeners of the Milwaukee area basketball podcast presented by the staff of Brew Hoop. We did it, folks. My team and our rec league volleyball league, we won the title. And this is a special YouTube exclusive Ooh. for those who don't watch. You can see now I'm <laughs> holding up our title shirt. I'm wearing it tonight. It says crowned MPBR <laughs> champions. Doesn't even say what the sport is. You know, they ordered 10,000 of these years ago. I've just been handing them out for years. <laughs> And it was a very stressful evening. Our first game of the night, it's win or go home. Uh, you get best of three matches, win or go home each game. We, I mean, we were terrible the first game. I was playing like so chaotic. My wife who plays next to me in lineup, she was furious with me. I could see it in her eyes. She had fury in her eyes. The guy who's like our best player, he was really, really bad the first game. We went down like 16 to seven in the second match. If we lose this, this is the end of the season. And we've been cruising on teams all year. And we just, we dug our way out of the hole. Like something clicked. We turned it around. We whooped the other team. And you could tell the other team was really shook. They were like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, no. We're, so then we we absolutely romped them in the third match for the win. And then we went on and swept in the final for the title. Um, it was really meaningful to me. Because God damn it, if I spent a lot of time playing the stupid sport. So it was it was a great culmination of everything. And it, through this experience, would I say I have more insight, relative, relative, more insight than some athletes as to what it means to be a winner? Yes, I would say so. But we can get into that later in the podcast. So I'm doing good even a week later, riding high, and I'm happy to be here tonight. I was going to say, the shirt does remind me, Eau Claire had this where for their intramurals, they had a champion and it was the same shirt. It was just a, it was the same shirt and the same pattern. It was just a different color every time. So, and you can always tell like what season it was, whether it was like the first half of the semester or the second half. So I, I do get the ordering a bunch of shirts just for no reason, but joining us is also our current site overlord van. How's it going? Uh, it's going all right. I've got a bunch of questions for Riley. I don't know if we want to get into it on the podcast, but if it's volleyball um, related, you got to ask. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, like, well, okay. Kyle and I are both former high school volleyball stars. And I, I use that term uh, pretty liberally. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to, we're, we're qualified to to talk with you about this. Do are, are you a back row? Are you a back row guy? Or are you a, are I'm, you a DS? I'm a, a I'm a, I'm a six position player because we don't have uh, positions in our league. Gotcha. We are a C level beginner league. Yeah. If you ask me about a four, two or a, a whatever, a three, is it a three, five, three or a four, two? Well, you got five, four, one, two, four, two. You got five, two, you got five, one, you got six, two, which is what the Badger basketball or Badger. Yeah. Six, six two is Badger volleyball. 
Yeah. Four two is Would, probably the most common. Four two is what we always ran, which is um yeah, that's a pretty typical like high school uh volleyball setup. I don't know. Would you say you're the Wisconsin Badgers women's volleyball team of that league? Because it sounds um, like how many they they have titles, right? If they have titles, then yes, they, they yes, do have a title. They're, they're, they got their first really, years ago, going for their second. All right, they're in the well, Sweet Sixteen. I'm mm-hmm. I'm very pleased to be sharing in their company, the company of winners. So that's what I know about volleyball is that I'm a winner. As of a week I, ago, I am a winner. And you have the shirt to prove it. That just reminds me of like <laughs> the the whole crown thing. It reminds me of like it reminds me of baseball. Like in MLB, like they print off t-shirts just for you know you you win the division you win the wild card whatever um even if they win i think even if they like win a round in the playoffs like <laughs> and now there are even more rounds in the playoffs they'll give the players like moving on shirts but usually they'll say something like really kind of they used to say something kind of cringy on them like i remember one year like the brewers won and it just said defend mke or represent the NL Central. I'm like, they thought of that. Um, so you're. I do remember the defend MK shirts. Yes, I do remember. What that. was that like? Oh, defend the airport. Yes, defend the airport. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mitchell you know, International General Mitchell International Airport is a goddamn treasure. All right, it's a good airport. It's a good airport. Uh, shout out to Midwest Express. Here, R.I.P. I, I got a another I got a YouTube Midwest. exclusive. I got a little Midwest DC nine diecast model. The uh the vertical stabilizer, the tail fin that's that's missing. I gotta get oh, it glued back top, on. Top tier cookies, best cookies. Oh yeah. The I mean the food itself, even like you know, when they when they were serving actual meals like when I was a kid was really good too. But yeah, the cookies, man. R.I.P. Anyway, basketballs. Yeah, yeah, I guess we could talk about basketball. So it's been a couple of weeks uh, since we last recorded, so I'm going to quickly run through all the games that everyone missed. Bucks won 142-129 against the Washington Wizards. I don't remember if we talked about that game or not, but that's be- – oh, no, we didn't. The Bucks unfortunately, fell short against the Boston Celtics. That was the big game when we last recorded. They lost 119-116, then went back to the in-season tournament and played the Washington Wizards again. They won 131-128. to Played the Portland Trailblazers. We'll dive into it more, I'm sure, but they won 108 to 102. Anyone that watched that game and saw the score, I was as shocked as you are. Um, <laughs> then they turned around, played the Heat, beat them 131 124. Played the Chicago Bulls and lost 113 to 120 in overtime. And then last night on Saturday night, they beat the Atlanta Hawks 132 to 121. So we've had a lot of games. Um, I was going to say, Riley, what? is the biggest thing you've taken away for the past couple weeks of these games the biggest thing i took away is we have all the makings of a 500 team except we have so much individual talent that it works out and and what i mean by that is the somewhat the play the sense that i seem to get that there's not a ton of coherence to what they're trying to run i think you can tell on the offensive end that they're running more set plays than they would have under budenholzer um i think bud set things up where you have your five boxes you have your principles you play to that and everybody knows plays random everybody knows the like we do 80 percent of the plays are just kind of guys freestyling out there it's not like 
reduced down to 20%. I think Griffin does allow guys to make decisions out there a lot, but I wonder where some of the more coherent um, principles are on offense. Like there's just long stretches against the Bulls uh, very earlier the season against the Hawks and even against some other opponents where Dame is completely, he just disappears. He doesn't get the ball that much. It seems a little my turny, your turny, maybe not to like a crazy extent, but that balance is still being worked on. And I'm you know, you kind of wonder when the click is going to happen. And then on defense, I mean, we have an idea, but we're just, it's a bad idea. We're 21st, 21st in the league defensive rating wise. That's not, we're at 20 games now. I don't see us suddenly switching things around and going on a tear to lift up into even like the top third or top half of the league defensively. Um, so we will win a lot of games because we are that talented and we're going to hang around in the fourth quarter and we have one of the best fourth quarter players ever. So we're going to win a lot of these games. But um, I think the way that we're approaching games, the way that we approach opponents and just the lack of structure around what they're trying to do, whatever the principles are, we have the makings of a 500 team. We just happen to be, have really good players to make up for it. The, thing I've been saying a lot about this current Bucks team is less than the sum of its parts. Um, that's just the case right now. Uh, obviously, there's some mitigating circumstances in that, like a rookie head coach, um, maybe some injuries. But yeah, I think that's an, that's that's another way of saying exactly what you just said, Riley. Um, offensively, though, I see, I see more progress there. Like last night against the Hawks, 33 assists, season high. Um, I think there's still obviously the problem that people are starting to discuss more of just the lack of Dame and Giannis pick and rolls. Um, And I guess I'll be curious to hear what you guys think. I mean, the uh, Zach Lowe, whenever he's talking about the Bucs, is just saying, well, they're only running 11 or so of those a game. Like, this is how much they did last night. And, or maybe nine or something. And reverse pick and rolls where... Giannis is the, the ball handler, and you know that can result in a, maybe a good switch. <laughs> Last time I heard it, it was like nine times the whole season. Um, but even beyond that, like how about some some of that action with Brooke Lopez? We we see it sometimes. I mean, I don't know if they. I get maybe not wanting to spam it, but also, uh, you know, it, it it does seem like it would be a good way to generate offense. Don't think they were doing tons of it last night necessarily, but they were moving the ball a lot better. Um, they were turning it over a little bit, not as much as they did on Thursday night. But as far as coherence goes, I see it more offensively than anything. And I think that probably just has to do more with guys becoming more comfortable with each other and, and Chris Middleton playing more. Like Middleton is, I think, actually a, a pretty significant glue to how the offense runs it just like they they their his on off numbers on offense are very good right now um and Giannis and Dame lineups like that two man combination i haven't checked it lately but it was it was below uh it, it was it was below the waterline for a little bit there pretty bad yeah um, yeah i mean i i think he so chris is an important part of the offensive fabric but i do think also as Dame and Giannis get a little bit more comfortable with each other and as maybe Giannis 
allows himself to take a back seat at other points of the game. And like we saw on Thursday, Dame will certainly take a back seat, maybe too much of a back seat to Giannis. Um, but that can sometimes result in a lot of good ball movement. I think it did the last two games. I mean, Dame had, he did have 13 assists on Thursday night. Um, and like I said, season high 33 assists last night. Um, so, yeah, I do see more coherence there defensively. Yeah. <laughs> Work in progress is probably the best thing I can say about it. Well, and I was going to say, to, and we'll kind of segue to your point, man, but I, I feel like the offense does enough because, one, it's significantly boosting its clutch stats. I think they've had 12, according to NBAStats.com, like 12 of their 20 games, they have been in crunch time in the clutch. So that's significantly too much in my opinion, but at the same time, their offensive rating is second in the league, only behind the Pacers, who are speaking of an offensive juggernaut. That is a team right there. And I think in terms of the offense, this is probably a better thing because we've always been saying the reason why the Bucs have struggled in the postseason the last couple of years is because their offense seems to turn into a complete pumpkin when it matters most. So it is encouraging at the very least that, yes, Despite all the struggles defensively, the team's offense is as good as advertised. And that's one of the things I would have been more concerned about if the offense was bad with having Dame and Giannis and the offense was average. That would be more concerning. The defense, we kind of expected there was going to be a drop-off just because you go from Drew Holiday down to Damian Lillard. And then Malik Beasley and Grayson Allen both have some positives about them, but they also had negatives. And I saw someone tweet it, I don't remember, but I think the biggest difference is the Bucs have always had a good point of attack guard, whether it was Eric Bledsoe, whether it was Javon Carter, whether it was Drew Holiday, and now you don't have that, and how much of not having that is affecting the trickle-down of everything else. And I think that's still true. So what is Adrian Griffin going to do to try and counteract it? Because I think that's a bigger fix. Obviously, having Brooke go more in a drop is very helpful, but... None of it matters because we've had a point guard that can at least make sure they don't get blown up on the screen every single time one is set. And is that something that's going to get fixed? I don't know. But at the same time, offensively, everyone, and it's not just, it's like Dame and Giannis do what they need to at various points. Chris in this limited role is excelling. This is probably the best way to use Chris, especially when it gets closer to the end of the game. Jay Crowder, when he was healthy, he was hitting shots. Malik Beasley is hitting shots. Brooke Lopez will hit it when it matters. Nine points. Like Bobby Portis uh, will give last week. I was going to say, Bobby Portis will give you a great first quarter, a solid second quarter, and then nothing happens in the third, and maybe the fourth he'll show up. We don't know. But it's you're getting more contributions from other guys as well, and that's you know still not including Pat Connaughton hopefully turning around. That's hoping that Marjan is a, a little bit more consistent. That's hoping – that Andre Jackson Jr. starts to pick it up. That's hoping A.J. Green gets more playing time. So with all of those things with the offense, I think it's good that it is doing this well despite not completely figuring it out. Here, here's my question real quick on the offense before we switch over to Vance's point. Um, is there going to be a point at which we can just say that Giannis is not a pick-and-roll big man? And do yeah. we switch to that? I think the early vibes that I'm getting, it's a lot like Giannis. Oh, he's going to develop this low post game bag, which he has to some extent. And I think he will develop a a better understanding of what it means to be a big man in a pick and roll. 
But I think there's a very real possibility that he just never really adds it as something that he wants to primarily do or excels at. And that's an interesting question. I think it matters less in a world with Brooke Lopez on the team because Brooke can function in that. And he, I mean, he sets some hella screens is the way the kids will put it. I mean, he he can really, he can do it in the way that nobody else on the roster can both because physically, and he knows how to do it and operate in that space. So I'm not saying it's something to worry about a lot, but when Van brings up Zach Lowe is, is looking at these numbers, maybe that's the wrong thing to be looking at. Yes, the obvious assumption is you put these two together, put them next to each other, run, spam, pick and roll. It's worked with Chris to a certain extent. But even then, you know, it's they're not doing it every single play. They'll sometimes, if they get in a groove, they'll run to it a couple of times. But it's just something I, I wonder about is, are we putting Giannis into a, a frame that he's just not going to ever really competently fit? Look, I, for... I disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, for all of Bud's, Bud has flaws. Bud is not dumb enough to not think, huh, let me try and make Giannis more of a role guy. Adrian Griffin has his struggles, but I don't, like, I'm not thinking these coaches are just simply deciding, you know what, nah, this is this guy can't do it. I just think it's one of those where Giannis has not developed it. I don't expect him to fully develop it. It's one of those where you use it in pinches but it's not going to be an everyday thing. Like this is where, yeah, when it gets to clutch time, that's when you probably should start running it. But I'm not expecting that, like expecting him to be an efficient role man to be a part of his game right now. Maybe as he gets older, that'll change when his athleticism starts waning, but, and it's not a bad thing. I just don't think it's going to happen. Well, I I think we're, we're kind of forgetting. I mean, like the problem here is for one, it's screening, right? It's not that he's, it's just the way he's, setting screens like yeah i was gonna say when was the last time we saw Giannis really lay a screen on somebody he doesn't he doesn't set a hard screen ever he slips a lot of them Mm -hmm. but nevertheless like how well has that worked with chris milton for years Mm -hmm. it was yeah i agree component to their offense in the 2021 title run i don't think at all he's like I, i think he's a good role man i think he's been a good role man and he'll remain a good role man but he's never done it with I he's never been a part of a really good pick and roll with a guard I mean the the lead guards he's played with in his career are not uh pick and roll maestros like they just aren't I mean Drew Holiday was never running screen action with Giannis like I can't remember it happening um I don't recall Bledsoe really doing it much either I mean they had arguably as good of a I mean well a better a better pick and roll ball handler in Chris Middleton always on the team so they just use that um I mean I don't know if I don't remember which game it was um but maybe it was the was it the Miami game or was it a little further back um they basically won it just by going to Giannis pick and rolls repeatedly in the fourth quarter um Philly I know that happened in the Philly game I know yeah. there was a certain yeah. Philadelphia game where it was yeah. just like, all right, spam it wasn't it. that far back. It wasn't that okay. far back. I just yeah. remember that it's, game in particular because it was like, yeah. huh, this coach really knows sure. what he's doing, just going, hey, let's just run this play over and over and no one's going to well, stop it, it. It still works. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. And and it's just a matter of, I think, that Giannis, like, when, when you're running pick and roll with a six foot eight, 220 pound forward, um, you don't really have to set as hard of a screen. <laughs> on a point of attack defender as you do with a 6-1 point guard. 
Um, so that's part of it. But yeah, really screening is the issue. Um, just like he's not, he's not even Myers Leonard out there. Right. <laughs> and, and, and to a certain extent too, I don't fault him that much because if he was to try and go out there and like really start setting screens a lot, I mean, you know, that's physically demanding, like knee to knee contact, all sorts of crazy, whatever can happen. And also, I should, you guys are right that he was never clarifying... that big of a dude either. Like we ought to remember, like when he came yes. to the league, he was not. He was. They did not teach him. <laughs> hey, set hard screens. He did not have to do that. He did not have the body to do that. Six I, foot I guess, eight, one sixty. <laughs> I, I guess what I'm I'm trying to say is I'm I'm going to try and go away from like the Zach Lowe or like trying to keep track of like how many times are they running it? Why isn't it top ten? Why isn't it top five instances on a nightly basis? It's not even top um, sixty. Think, yeah, I mean. <laughs> You can go as deep as you want, but I guess I'm just saying I'm not going to be too concerned about it because the offense is that good, even when they're not doing that a whole bunch. And it is effective when it does happen. Um, we've seen, you know, even in the preseason games, you know, it's like I haven't had this much space off that one pass against the Lakers in preseason in my entire career. Um, <laughs> and I think Jay might have missed the three off of it or whatever, which is typical, but um, not for Jay for the team. Um, so I guess what I'm, I'm saying is I, I want to point it out as a, if anybody's still holding on to like, we're going to flip a switch and Giannis and Dame are going to start throwing 20, you know, how, however much is like really high on, on, on a league basis. I don't see that happening and I don't fault anybody for it. I still think it's effective, but it's something to keep in mind as we like evaluate the offense. It's good without that being the core, like driving everything that's happening on most positions. And in the regular season, yeah, but yeah. I just you we'll know see for the, the, the postseason, like yeah. when isolation becomes a bigger deal, and like when the pace of the game slows down, and it's harder to generate offense. These are the things you need to do um, because you're working in the half court more and more. Yeah. So, I, I I do want to be seeing more of it when it comes to like a a grindy, you know, like a a rock fight postseason matchup. That's yeah. what they'll need, I think. So, but what what uh, about the defense though, Van? Well, I was what, gonna say what? we've gone from the Bucks going to we're just gonna use a steel chair to we're getting <laughs> hit with the steel chair. So, Van, your second point. Well, I, your point, I guess, not second point, your main point. Yeah, I mean, it, there are still moments of just where you know I, I throw my hands in the air sometimes watching stuff defensively, and it's not as much like in years past where there's like an open corner three point shooter, although that that's that's happening. I mean, like, or I mean, it wasn't happening so much under Bud. They were they were doing really well at limiting corner threes, but above the break, um, this time maybe more corner threes, uh, open corner threes. They're conceding, um, but it's more like just guys coming in on backdoor cuts from the dunker spot along the baseline, picking up an easy dump off pass um, in the paint and just having a a, a nice like perfunctory dunk to just uh, get an easy two points because no one is rotating over. Maybe no one can rotate over. So those are those kind of what the fuck moments where you're just like, what's going on here? And they'll get Griffin to call a timeout at times. Um, talking about, we were talking about point of attack defenders, just any defender on the defense right now. I notice it most specifically with Malik Beasley, but I also notice it a bit with Chris too. I mean, they are getting they are getting beats um, to their sides pretty consistently, and um, it's almost like sometimes with Beasley, it's like, 
are they trying to force a particular ball handler to one side or something? Because it appears like, <laughs> I mean, you could you could look at the way that Malik Beasley is defending um, a a ball handler, and he's been tasked to defend ball handlers a lot uh, this year, or just lead scores, lead guards on other teams, which. Um, I mean, I, I, that could be partially out of necessity, but also it's just not a good idea because he's not a good defender. He's very miscast in this role. And there are better choices, I think, on the team for people to do that, like a certain rookie from UConn. But um, the 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 just the the way that, you know, even Chris Milton, too, just like they're they're getting beat to the outside regularly because they're just turning their bodies like and as if they're forcing them a certain way but um they're also not necessarily quick enough to keep up with them and that will funnel things into brooke lopez and then he's gonna have to rotate over and then he can't rotate back quick enough to deal with like that off ball backdoor cut that i was talking about there are a lot of these moments that i see because because there's so much attention, either there's a lot of attention on the on the driver, like there's there might be some overhelping, or there's just a lot of ball watching, and I think there are a lot of Bucks right now who are guilty of ball watching, or um, it's just bad fundamentals on defense. Um, and Griffin this week, when in, in in the press conferences, he talked about he referred to fundamentals in the context of rebounding when I was asking him about it, but. Um, and it lead it led me to believe, even though he didn't, he wasn't specific about them. Led me to believe that that's something he's addressing with the team, and we have actually seen that a bit on the court. Um, they have gotten better as a defensive rebounding team, but defensive fundamentals uh, I see lacking with certain players. Um, Giannis isn't one of them. I thought Giannis last night had some really good moments on ball, but in last night's game, it's interesting because in that third quarter. And the, the first and third quarter, the uh, defense was not good. Um, defense optional. Exactly. Uh, first quarter was 42 to 37 in favor of the Bucks. It's like just a complete track meet. Um, the third quarter, I believe it was 36 to 35 in favor of, of the Hawks. Uh, the Hawks certainly scored over 35 points. 35 to 32 for the Hawks okay, in the yeah. third quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And what was interesting to me, is in, and then the fourth quarter, um, I, I, I believe it was like only 22 points or something that uh, they, they let the Hawks have. 23 points. Yeah. So, but I thought fundamentally in the third quarter, <laughs> they looked good. The Hawks were making a lot of shots over, uh, like, you know, defenders outstretched arms. Um, I thought the coverages were a lot better. Then meanwhile, in the fourth quarter, they missed a lot of open shots. And there were some of these what the fuck moments uh, by the Bucks defense that that were just kind of they, they were gifted misses. Um, maybe the Hawks, you know, the legs get tired or whatever. But I, I it was strange because like the the process looked a lot better in the third quarter. The results were bad. And then the process did not look good at all in the fourth quarter, but the results were great. Um, so that inconsistency is also a really weird thing. But yeah, these are just the, the these are the main things I've noticed lately with the defense, um, at least in the context of, you know, scoring, how the other team is scoring. I feel like the WTF moments it's more when they're doing things or it's just like why why it's the over aggressive gambles 
It's the trying going for turnovers, yeah. right? Going for the turnovers when a team inbounds the ball or during like a team's trying to bring up the court, which just leads to a fast break layup, like those kind of things. Over helping, it's just like you got Giannis on this guy. You do not need to overhelp. There's no reason to do that. Or you have a dude holding the ball with Brook in the post. Do not do not come in. Do not step in and try and help because the second you step in, that post guy is going to see it and kick it out for three. It's kind of moments like those where it's like, why why are you doing it? And I've noticed it. And it's always when the Bucks seem to, like the Bucks will do something good for like a two, three minute stretch. And then they'll have a two, three minute stretch where they do this. And it's like, what are you, you were doing it so well, like two minutes ago. Why, what's going on? It's kind of, for me, I can't like notice like any particular instances, like in the Hawks game, like in the fourth quarter, I didn't notice it as much. It's just more like, Milwaukee seems to get it and they seem to figure it out and go with the defensive plan and then they revert back to old habits. And I think most of the time it happens when they shift from kind of like a more aggressive back to a zone or like, and like when they're leaving zone defense and going back into the aggressive defense, it kind of seems like they're overcorrecting when they kind of go from that a little bit more conservative aspect to the over aggressive. They're switching basically everything right now. Um, I think it's a little I would actually like to see a little less switching. I mean, it's it leads to mismatches, of course. That wouldn't have been a, as big a deal on if your lineup was, let's say, a younger Chris Middleton, PJ Tucker, Dante DiVincenzo, et cetera, et cetera, Drew Holiday, of course. But right now, um, it's it's causing a fair bit of mismatches. But the Bucks don't have really any guards who can go over screens right now. Um, and uh, while I think they're, I mean, that was the tendency under Bud always to go over a screen, but um, I, I did, they're just switching every screen. And sometimes that results in something good. Oh, you get switched on to Giannis. All right. <laughs> um, other times, other times uh, guys start licking their campaign, chops. Campaign yeah. versus the seven footer in the paint. Exactly. Like, There's right, some barbecue gonna... chicken right in front of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I think like I would yeah it's 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 too over it's over aggressive with the switching at times i think and like to the point about turnovers i mean yeah they're they're going for so many turnovers that they really have no business going for i saw it there was that famous play oh what game was it early in the season where dame willard is going for the ball um, on an upcourt pass they really had no business going for i think it was a toronto game that blowout Mm -hmm. um but like they're i believe they're one of the top five teams in the league in in deflections right now but their turnover rate is bottom five. I mean, it's it's just not effective, um, this like aggressive style of defense at generating turnovers, which is the point of doing it, right? But they they were like, were they top 10 in generating turnovers though? Like right, I mean, the defense was obviously fucking horrible, but were they, was that a pretty noticeable shift? Because to me, it felt like we've seen a shift where they're trying to gamble for that less. I mean, they still are. But they were really going all out for it. And I believe they, for a brief minute, I mean, it was super small sample yeah. size start of the Maybe season. Maybe before they that like, Knicks game. <laughs> yeah. And then they kind of Before the polite so, mutiny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A coach uh, for the the old players, players coach meeting. Um, I think it is promise in that we've seen some dialing back on, say, exam as you guys are saying, gambling for those turnovers we still do occasionally, but that was like, they were really going for it. And that was obviously killing them. So we switched that, which is good. Um, the truth is we, the personnel are both like 
incapable of doing it and also just they don't like it just doesn't seem like it's clicking into place and that's that's a classic i mean you could tell it most obviously with the switches how ill-timed or like the switch and then okay the offense gives you a second to try and like okay let's switch back to get somebody more logical onto this guy it just happens a few beats too late it usually that you know they don't die off of that every single time, but like, okay, campaign is out on the perimeter. It's a big man. Okay. We have a second here. Let's try and switch it with Bobby to get Bobby on the big. So they'll like get there, but it takes them a little too long, which is a problem. It's like not only the switch bad actively trying to decide when to do it and keeping contact with whoever the guy you're switching onto, but then when the offense gets settled down again, and then having to like reconstruct from there, they've also kind of been iffy when opportunities have presented themselves. Um, and we've talked about ad nauseum and Kyle has, we've talked about on the podcast on the site everywhere. There's only so far you can do with Damon Malik as your guards and campaign as well. Like all three of the guys, Let's just be honest. It's there's there's limitations to what we can do. So it's it's exposed, especially because the switch is not as crisp as it was with much better personnel and a much better lead defensive guard in Drew Holiday, um, which is why it, it seems so much more stark and so much more noticeable that it's just it's really it does not function at, at all in the same way, unfortunately. So one of the things I noticed and I just looked it up when you were talking about like dialing things back and kind of the adjustment in the three games in October, Milwaukee averaged nine steals a game. And then in the like 16 games in November, it was down to 7.1. Yeah. So they did get less aggressive in that aspect. I didn't check to see like how many turnovers were going to be generated. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, they were top 10. They got said, five steals. Okay. Yeah, they were they were top ten in turnover rate after four games. Um, yeah, but, so yeah, it's, it's and, and you could tell you could tell with the way they were playing, and I think yeah. they it very became very clear very like right away. And so the well, and defense is credit. Teams are going to get film. Teams are going well, to get film. Out. And and we have <laughs> like you know the defensive rating is stuck at twenty first right now. And as I said at the start, we're not going to see some sort of renaissance, but it has improved off of literally the bottom of the league, like historically bad. So there's that, but it's, it's, yeah, but the, it's, they've played fundamentally bottom 10 offenses yeah, in the last mm-hmm. week or two. They've played some really bad offenses. So I'd say that hey, they made those bad offenses of... look good though. <laughs> I mean, well, like we they, gave they the wizards their best scoring nights of the entire season. Oh, the, in the, same the wizards aren't, the wizards aren't a bad offense. They let a Bulls team without Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan score 120. Granted, there was overtime, but they, they let them score 120. They let the Portland Trailblazers look like world beaters for three quarters. They scored, yeah, 68 points in the first half, 36 in the second half, was it? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, I would say it's been a pretty average effort defensively against all these teams, just like with how bad some of them are. Um, and then the, the real high caliber offenses like Atlanta um I and and I guess like I mean even in Boston of course too there was nothing in the defensive efforts there that really like I would say you necessarily are a feather in their cap right yeah I feel like Boston was a little bit more respectable it was in the end yeah was yeah the thing with Boston was they just couldn't miss which is a recurring theme yeah Boston yeah, simply could not miss from three. It wasn't lack of effort. Boston it wasn't lack of execution. Yeah. yeah. It's just, a, it always seems, I don't know what to do against that. It, but I don't think it was like lack of effort or execution from Milwaukee in that particular game. 
Yeah, it might not have been. Um, I think they, um, I, I guess, like, if, you, if you're looking at, like, just how teams like Boston, especially since, you know, we go back game six of the second round in um, 2022, uh, it's basically been all Boston in this series, right? Um, and they they are shooting exceptionally well. I mean, they're a very good shooting team against the Bucks. Yeah. Or, but well, in general, but against the Bucks, they become even better. Um, there's this is a, this is this is a pattern now. This this isn't like this is this isn't a bug. It's a feature. Yeah. No. And again, I don't know what that issue is, but it's I that game at least. I don't think that was a Milwaukee simply did not execute what was there, or there was a lack of effort. I don't know what the problem is, but it's not as though it's not like other games where it's like these guys just don't give a shit. There's definitely play, moments where they super, don't have that dog in them. Yeah. We play super tight against Boston. Like the, yeah. the same thing in Boston game. So Boston hit every single shot. And then like we could not for the life of us get a lot of like good looks to fall. It's like, oh, this would, I think there's just like at this point, a general tightness around a lot of the main guys that play against Boston. I think Boston, you know, it's stupid to be like momentum, mind games, like whoever. But, you know, like as Van just said, I mean, Boston has pretty much owned the, series between either we eke out the close victory or we get walloped on um for the most part so eke out a close victory versus their their c team yeah. um, <laughs> i don't think i don't think Giannis has shot i mean over 50 percent from the field in any matchup since 2022 playoffs and he oh, horford can't keep getting away with this damn it <laughs> that playoff run and yeah no grant williams anymore um but that playoff run like that series he was outrageously good that was like the that was maybe that was like peak Giannis, maybe, maybe in like, and since then against Boston, he's looked a lot more mortal. Um, so I don't know. The Boston stuff is is challenging. Um, but you're right; people do play. They do play really tight against them. Yeah. And how? Oh, sorry. Oh, like the stuff about like them not having that dog in them. You even see it last night. I remember there was a possession where Chris Middleton's like bringing up the court. And all four starters, or all four, I think it was all the starters, all four of them are still in the backcourt. Like, they just are trotting up. And it's not like, it, it, you know, Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez does that. He's the trailing guy, and he gets that, you know, that trailing three a lot. But Giannis and everyone was doing it. It just, it, it, it it's strange. It's really strange sometimes. Old, old men get an old men on the on a basketball court in November. Giannis yeah. isn't old, right? <laughs> I think he's just tired sometimes. Speaking of starters, Kyle, what about your uh, what did you learn over the past two weeks? Yeah, mine's not that deep or anything. In my opinion, it's just one of those. I've seen a lot of discourse on it on Twitter, uh, but I, people are asking if Malik Beasley should really be the fifth starter, and I think he is perfectly fine. I'm emphasizing be perfectly fine. I don't know what you're expecting out of a fifth starter. If you're expecting, like we're trying to have this guy be a superstar. You already have Giannis. You already have Dane. You already have Chris and you already have Brooke. The fifth guy just needs to be good at something, whether he is a defensive stopper, whether he is a guy that can just hit shots. It does. I just needed to be good at something. And Malik Beasley is good at shooting the basketball. 
when Milwaukee is winning. Malik Beasley shooting 45.8% from three. Even when Milwaukee is losing games, he is shooting 43.5. Like, this is a guy that is doing really, really well. He's fifth on the team in points per game. Same amount as Chris Middleton, weirdly enough. I don't understand how that worked, but same amount of points as Chris Middleton. Slightly above Bobby, shooting the best out of the team. That's And he's doing it at, like, taking six threes a game. Granted, the Chicago Bulls one definitely bumped up the attempted rate, uh, shooting 15 threes. That might be a little excessive. I'll, I'll admit that. But 45 and 15 is not bad. So I don't know why. Like, I don't know what people are expecting. Yes, his defense is not good. But unless you're trying to make a complete shift in which our def- like the defense has to be better, then yeah, go ahead, put Andre Jackson Jr. or Jay Crowder in there when he's healthy. Okay. But I don't know how you look at Malik Beasley, and he seems to be hitting three. He's shooting really well, and a lot of these times, and I said it a couple weeks ago, when he gets hot, it just supercharges the Bucks' offense. And I have no problem with it. So I don't know why there needs to be this giant push that we need to have a different starter than Malik Beasley when he is doing exactly what is asked of him. I think it has to do with the specter of the playoffs. Um, as a regular season starter, yeah. I mean, and to be clear, I think there's absolutely a place for him in on in the rotation and in the playoff rotation too. Um, but I, I think like you can you can maybe start him in the playoffs, but I. I, I, with the defensive limitations of this current team on the perimeter, I do not trust uh, Malik Beasley in the closing lineup. I, I just, I just, I just won't do it. And maybe people are kind of um, meshing that in with the starting role because um, you figure your starters are usually playing at the end of games, um, and whoever is going to be starting in the playoffs is going to be finishing games, which. You know, it doesn't always happen. Like, right. Look at, look at, uh, Mano Ginobili or whoever. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously the, the Bucks do need some help defensively, especially on the perimeter. Um, and I, 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 like starting Malik Beasley is, is one thing in the playoffs, letting him close, close games. Um, that's another, and you know, the, the bucks, like we go, I'm going back to the Boston one, they get, they got off to a really poor start against Boston. And they, that happens like that's happened. Like every time they've played them since like that game seven of that series, they just got off to bad starts against that team. Cause they come out tight. Right. But, um, I, I don't think you can have that in the postseason. Um, you probably need to set the tone a little bit better right away defensively. And I don't know if Malik Beasley I guess the biggest that. thing for me is just more, okay, if you don't want to start Malik Beasley in the playoffs, that's fine. But who do you trust to start <laughs> I had a Malik Beasley? No one right now. That's the problem. Exactly. So that's <laughs> why I'm like, it's perfectly fine. Like, uh, Jay Crowder is the only one that I'll even consider. And Jay Crowder is one, two of ten, zero from five, three, getting cooked by Jason Tatum game away yeah. for me wanting to play in Malta. <laughs> okay? I, <laughs> I shouldn't say that, like, I, I, I shouldn't say that there's no one. Like, I mean, Crowder... Yeah, I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna see with Crowder. Um, Connaughton, it's been no. a really rough season for him to, uh, offensively um, with the shot. I'm not starting Pat Connaughton. He's I the only. Pat I'm not starting him. He's the only one who is. He's the only. He's the only perimeter player. I I'd say, out, who at least a of experienced perimeter player. Like so, discounting Andre Jackson Jr. He's the only one who I would even say is an average defender. 
um, there's just nothing else out there. Um, I, I, I think even like Bochamp, I mean, he could get there even this season, but he's not there right now. Defensive, the, big, the biggest issue with Beasley is the defense. But the other thing is, I just I can envision the world where he goes rogue. He says, fuck it. I'm getting these I'm getting these 15 shots and I do not care what it's going to take. I'm getting and sometimes it'll yeah, like Kyle said, it'll see it'll go and you'll be like, man, this is one of the greatest signings ever. And then the game after I'd be like, I want to never see this guy play again. So I would just be a little concerned about uh, how the offensive pecking order would work itself out with if Malik is like it's Malik Beasley time, which is <laughs> which is Malik Beasley's approach right now, which is totally fine. But um, I wouldn't go that far. I think yeah. he's I think he's he, he, he has a pretty good idea of his role offensively on this team. And I think he yeah, shots up right. well. Right. Yeah. Get shots up. <laughs> Make shots. Get shots up. Big shots. Yep. Yeah. yeah, he's he's totally fine regular season. I'd be very interested if he ever needs some rest or whatever, if 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 there is ever a moment, because at this point I don't see what the moment's going to be that switches it to get Malik out of a, a barring an injury. I think he's just gonna be the penciled in fifth starter. Um for now, yeah. Or no, for again, unless something really collapses. I think people just gotta be okay with that yeah unless something collapses or someone takes a giant leap yeah yeah or or a trade or a trade trade, sure yeah Yeah. but that's all i got for that um we can move on we have for buck the host we didn't have anything i guess we can talk about this in-season tournament uh it's been going on now for the group stage is complete the bucks are in the quarterfinal they play the knicks any general thought i i do have thoughts on it but any general thoughts on the in-season tournament now that we're kind of in it now it's not just this concept Uh, i'm gonna so this is i'm clearing off for van because he said he's gotten personal word personal breakdown so what's our path to the title here van where am i playing who am i playing what's the give me (laughs) in his succinct what am i playing as you can (laughs) yeah when do we play all right so they are playing in milwaukee on tuesday night versus the knicks Okay. If they win that game, they will be going to Las Vegas and playing on Thursday night. Who they will be playing is the winner of the Celtics Pacers game. Okay. Now, um, th- th- so that would be a the in season tournament semifinal. Uh, if they manage, to, whoever wins that game will play in the final next Saturday night in Las Vegas. The wacky stuff happens when we think about losing. If the Bucks lose on Tuesday night. Um, they will play the loser of the Boston or Pacers matchup. So either way, uh, next week you're getting a, a game, a fifth game of the year versus either Indiana or Boston. Um, if in, if if the Bucks lose and the Pacers lose, the Bucks will be hosting them next Friday night at Pfizer Forum. If the Bucks lose and the Celtics lose, the Celtics will be hosting them next Friday night in Boston. The in-season tournament games are nationally televised, um, no local televicast. But uh, if the the if they are playing next Friday night with all the other non-in-season tournament folks, that is going to be carried on Bally Sports. I understand. So that's that's what I know. That's pretty good. That was a good breakdown. I think I have a grasp on what's the okay. thing that doesn't make sense is why the Bucks have to go to Boston if both teams lose. I, I don't understand that. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know why that is. I yeah. I can't tell you. Eric name called this 
uh, he, I think this is very apt. Adam Silver's passion project. Um, it's true. I, uh, I, I, there's, I've had a lot of talk with people about this. Like I just, I, and, and casual fans have said this to me too. Like, what is the, what is the benefit of this for fans? Like, what are fans getting out of this? Like, where's the the pride or the um, the prestige in winning this? I think that's ultimately what yeah. you're going for, like, when you're rooting for a team. Like, that's why we root for people to win championships. Like, the a team doesn't get a... Yeah, exactly. When you're <laughs> crowned, I mean, teams go. get playoff bonuses. So it's yeah. kind of the same thing. But when teams win even when you make the NBA finals, you get, you got some pretty serious bragging rights over other fan bases. Um, in this situation, uh, I, I don't, I don't see what the, the, what's in it for people in, in that regard, because I think that's a lot of why you're a fan of a particular team and why you continue being a fan of a particular team, because like you can, you can have pride in what they've accomplished. I actually am the opposite. I've actually gotten more into the in-season tournament as it's gone on because I think when it comes down to it, there is still something to play for. And I think the biggest difference for me is point differential matters. So just because players aren't win, liking that, you, though. And that's, I don't care. This is for me. <laughs> this, Adam Silver's doing this for me to give a shit about the tournament. And it is the, inter- the integrity of the game. Run yeah. up for Steve Kerr and Josh I Hart. I don't care you about your it. unwritten. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. When it got to those final group stage games and it was like, oh, this team needs to win by X amount of points. Like the reason the Celtics <laughs> are even at this point is because they needed to blow out the they Chicago up Bulls. The score. Eddie Mee won that. Yeah. So I am actually the opposite where it's like, all right, I am now more invested because you add this added competition. And now when these games start mattering, and I think it'll be a lot different when you get to, you've made it this far now. Like, now that you're in the quarterfinal, you want to win the whole thing. You want to go beat the Knicks, get revenge against the Celtics, or try and put an upstart Pacers in their place. Be the East representative, and then you take on the Lakers, beat LeBron, that'd be hilarious. You take on the Suns, that's going to be a super team. Suns are going to want revenge. That's going to be cool. Or you get the Kings and Pelicans, two young teams. At least they play a style. It's going to be exciting to see a matchup where it matters. And, you know, if fans decide to travel, it's in Vegas. Who knows what's going to happen? I think for me, I've actually been more invested in this as it's gone along because now the the incentive is getting bigger and bigger. And again, teams wanted to just run up the score because they know they have to get the point differential. I'm all for it. Well, that's that's not happening anymore. That was a group stage thing. <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying. Like the group stage, yeah. that last those last group stage games, that was fun to watch teams just intentionally run up a score where if it was a regular season game, they would have mailed it in like five minutes ago. I, the Bucks did it too against Charlotte a couple weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't, I watching that didn't find it any more compelling, honestly. Um, I guess the, I, I, I kind of, I, I I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you there, Kyle. Like I don't think that Boston or LA is going to, or Phoenix, like I don't think they're going to care if they lose this tournament. I don't think the oh. Bucks will either. <laughs> I like, disagree. I feel like they say they won't care, but deep down, when you get this far, now it's going to be a well shit. I don't know. This isn't me, the playoffs. If, if this the isn't series. The Celtics and they lose, they will care. 
Yeah, they'll care about it, but they'll care about it just like any other regular season game. Yeah. I don't think I don't think it I don't I, I, I just like when I, I, I don't think it's like I don't think players are necessarily going to be taking a loss as hard <laughs> in this tournament as they will like, oh, you go down three two. Like that's not they're not taking it that hard. I don't think they care that much. I, I, I my my only thoughts are this. I hope we face the Celtics and I hope we beat them just because we need every single little bit of mental edge. So it's like, oh, we beat the Celtics in an elimination game. Yeah, it was in December, but and in Vegas, but you know, <laughs> whatever, it'll take, yeah, whatever, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do whatever <laughs> it takes to get any sort of edge. So I want to see elimination. That. <laughs> I, <laughs> technically I the truth. <laughs> that, was, that was really good. Um, that was really um, good. A win is a win. A in season tournament victory is an in season. It is yeah. still a victory. I want to see that another regular season victory to me. I don't know. I I want to see that. And then I also, here's what Adam Silva needs to do to give some stakes. He needs to say the league is going to pay for some stupid parade or something. The the oh. incentivize. Are you guys going to, if we win the cup, and I'm calling it the cup, let's just, if we win the cup, will you be there downtown Milwaukee? Look, if the, if the will you Minnesota be at General Mitchell to greet the team when they land? Yes or no? If the Minnesota Timberwolves or the New Orleans Pelicans win this <laughs> tournament and they the city's parade, not standing. It's, it's they are going to get roasted like <laughs> you've never seen before. If they raise a banner too, it's going to get roasted. I would absolutely roasted. do all those things. Lean in. Lean all, right, that's the exactly. thing though. You got to lean in. It's so stupid. You got to have like a Are fans going to buy t-shirts that say <laughs> NBA <laughs> champions? Yes, I would buy one. If the Bucks were, I'd buy one. Will fans buy these blue and neon green shirts they're <laughs> yeah. producing? It's going to be that color. They're it's good. definitely going gonna... <laughs> to be that color. Yeah, they're gonna... Oh, that's awesome. I, I think, think this is also that. like the soccer fan in me knowing like they like there always is that in season tournament. And when you get far enough, you want to win it at this point. And I think that's where the I think that's why I'm also more invested because it's like now I'm in soccer brain. We've made it this far. If you get if you get knocked out early. It doesn't matter. When you get this far, you want to win. With with soccer, I mean, people compare it a lot to soccer, like the in-season tournaments they have there. It's not like that. The, it's not. Like the it's not the Champions League. They're, you're you're not playing teams from other leagues. I mean, that would I think that would be interesting if like this was a tournament going on against like other leagues. Like what if it was like CONCACAF where you're playing the Canadian Premier League t- teams and the the I forget what the acronym is for the Mexican league, the La Liga Nacional. Liga, uh, Liga uh, MX, yeah. It's LN. L- L- I don't know what the basketball one like is. But... Yeah. No, I'm talking about basketball. But what about the one in the the, the Bundesliga has where um, the second division is, is is playing? The, yeah. Yeah. What's it called again? The Pokal. Yeah. Pokal. I mean, how about that? Like, I mean, it, the G League is obviously like, like the, 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 that's not a that's not a that doesn't have the, the those teams don't have the prestige that like a second division team in you know in Germany does but um that would be a lot more interesting to me if you're like getting the the main Celtics or the Sioux for the Sioux Falls Sky Force involved in this and that would be a lot more like a soccer tournament we need to we need to stop smothering ice cube and give him his moment let's get the big three oh. team into the mix let's go let's stop messing around dude that's it. actually <laughs> it'll never three happen, on three in yeah. season tournament <laughs> they get yeah i mean 
they should what they what? should do is they should design some more stuff around like a longer all-star break or something like i don't know it's it's hard logistically but what if the in-season yeah. tournament was three on three like every team got to pick three players um or or like they were selected cannot, by some other you message. Pick three players, but they cannot be an all star or all NBA. Player. Yeah, like what be. if you, what if you <laughs> apply the, the AJ Green and Ty yeah. Washington out there? Yeah. Let's go. Exactly. Like the Yo, new and those guys about, have key. Those guys have made so many final scores look respectable. So they they deserve a moment in this for sure. No, I agree. Sure. I'm on board with those this new idea. rules that about uh, the like who can rest and who who can't. You know, if you've made an all star team and all NBA team, none of those guys are eligible. And we have a three-on-three in-season tournament. You've got the Bucks with, like, you know, AJ Green, Andre Jackson Jr. Um, that's 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 way that's compelling to me. That's compelling. I think it's interesting. I probably not going to do as much for the casual fan, but <laughs> make it three-on-three. Three. I don't know. I think well, three-on-three. Three, if you have it with the stars, like that would be something too. Like, who are the Bucks? You know, you, with the Bucks, you pick. The big three, the the Celtics have some decisions to make. And then even you look at maybe there are crappy teams who actually can put together a decent big three. Like, for example, like Washington, if they if they trot it out, let's say. Oh, no, don't say it. No, seriously. Seriously. <laughs> like, think about this. Like Kyle Kuzma, mm-hmm. um, uh, Tyus Jones, and um, God, I can't even remember who's on that. That's fine. I was gonna right say if now, you put Jordan Poole out there, that's gonna be disaster. yeah, Jordan Poole it has to be Jordan Poole. No. So those three guys, oh god, but those three guys, like watching like that, I, I could see that them like them upsetting like uh, a more established big like that, dude. That, that team, I don't because those all you're three doing is giving Jordan Poole more. Dude, I think life. those three, I think those three could beat Dame Giannis and and Chris just like it'll, they'll run up the score, but. I think I think that like in if you if you match up those three on three teams a hundred times, like the that that Wizards uh, trio is is not gonna lose too many of them. That's my opinion. Here's here's the bottom line with the tournament. We're way if in. You, we're way if out. We, of if we win the cup, I'm half half seriously, but mostly joking, going to lord it over everybody on the internet. So <laughs> that's all I care about. And if I will buy many people. Many, many people, Adam Silver, write that down. Adam, I know you listened. You got one sale if you can swing the refs in our favor. Um, and obviously, if we lose, then I pretend that this never happened and Adam Silver's an idiot. So those Kyle, are the if you don't two options. Buy, if they win and you 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 get one of those. If you shirts, don't have, like, if you don't have, you don't have it on this podcast. If you're not oh, no, I will wear it on this. Yeah. I will wear okay, it. Good. If they win, I will buy it and wear it the, the first episode after I get it. There you go. Yeah. I promise. Hat too. Hat and shirt. Crown. Right, yeah. NBA Cup champions. I don't That's know if I'll right wear now. the hat. I'll show the hat. I don't know if I'll be able to wear it just because of all the Your 2023-2024 Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, all right. I think we're good on that. Um, let's go over to our miscellaneous stuff. So, Riley, it seems like you got rapid fire. At least it says yes. you have it. Yes, I do. All okay. Right. So we, we'll start with one non-basketball question, and then we'll transition to a couple basketball ones. First one. Um, this coming Friday, I have a secret Santa slash cookie exchange with friends coming up. I've never participated in a cookie exchange before. Apparently each couple brings a dozen cookies and then we just kind of like everybody gets to take home cookies that other people. So put yourself in my shoes. 
what cookie are you bringing to the event? And then which one would you be most happy taking home? I've done this kind of thing before, like a big okay, cookie party where you take home. The <laughs> answer for take home is always the haystacks. I love those haystacks. Um, haystacks. Yeah, they're just like, it's a bunch of pretzels with some mm. marshmallow and some chocolate going okay, all over yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Um, I guess that'll be my answer for both. Either you bring those and you leave, you make some for yourself to keep at home or you take a lot of those. Okay. I would make peanut butter cookies and I would want to come back with snickerdoodle. Snickerdoodle. That's a hot take. It's, a, it's not wrong, though. Snickerdoodle is okay. We can say it's okay. It's it's a very good. It's top three. Um, wow. I'm very, I'm very interested in what my friends are going to bring to this event. So I'll report back next week. All right. How much blame personal blame do you put on that instagram shot doctor for breaking bobby porges the three-point percentage so i I'll just i don't know what you're talking about so far this season 29.4 on fewer attempts as well um the backstory being i believe it was two summers ago I can't remember what the hell this guy's name is, but he's like this Instagram shot doctor who is working. He's a, he's a guy who works on people's shot who has a prolific Instagram profile. Um, and he worked with Grayson Allen and Bobby. Those are the two that I know for sure. He might've had a couple other books guys. Um, I think it's lethal shooter. I believe is the Instagram. Uh, don't dox the guy, but I believe that is his Instagram. How much personal, <laughs> how much personal blame does he take for breaking Bobby's three point shot and percentage? I've never heard of this. I've never heard <laughs> okay. of this guy, so I can't give you an answer. 80%. Although Portis was decent last year, he shot like thirty-seven percent last year. So. Yes, yeah. If you worked okay. with him two years ago, then I don't know. If you worked then with him this summer, then maybe he gets some blame. Um, I saw somebody. I, I, the, the reason why Lethal Shooter came to mind is I was scrolling the other day and I saw somebody post that uh, Lethal Shooter won't see heaven, which I thought was a little. <laughs> that's a little much. So, shout out to you, Lethal Shooter. Love your work. Okay, here we go. Uh, is Chuma Okeke the answer? Who? No, but they, they can still trade for him. That would be interesting. Who? No. I, I, that's my answer, I guess. Okay. Um, oh, right, now, right now, you can look up a report on brewhoop.com uh, where our one of our hosts tonight threw up a little article about that. Um, okay. Our team free throw rate has fallen to seventh of the league, which is still pretty good. Um, do you have a certain ranking that you want them to be going like his top five? Are you happy with that? Um, like, I guess, what do you think of the free throw? We, we were leading the league for a long while and it seems that we were dropping off a little bit, something to keep an eye on, something you want to be a integral part of the offense. What are your thoughts on the free throw right so far? Yeah, I want it to be integral. Seventh sounds fine. Like it just needs to be a big part of their offense in the postseason. Um, I expect it to finish top 10, top 10, top five is great. Yeah. I, I don't have any qualms. If it can increase great, but I'm not concerned because it seems as though Dame and Giannis are doing a good job at getting to the free throw line besides last night's game. Besides the, the game in Chicago a couple of days ago. All right. Final question and rapid fire this week. Um, does Giannis's three point attempt rate registering at less than 10% for the first time in years wholly vindicate the adrian griffin hire for you because yes. it might for me <laughs> yes wait say that again 
Okay, his three-point attempt rate is less than 10%. It's been over 10%. It's been like 12, 13, 14% the past couple seasons. Does the fact that, and who knows, I don't know if it's Griffin's doing, I don't know, but the fact that Giannis <laughs> is now at under 10%, does that in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, vindicate the Adrian Griffin hire? Uh, I, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, well. <laughs> that's interesting, though. I mean, there are a lot of people who still think that's too high, and I can't blame them. <laughs> You're talking to two of uh, talking to one of them. At least. I don't, I don't know <laughs> you know, if it's less slightly around 10, whatever. Okay. Less than 5%, right? That's Look, as I mentioned with. in yesterday's game, Giannis airballed that three. I was like, never, no more. Oh, no more. The game in, I, I had a perfect angle on that airball in, in Chicago, which was like, I mean, it got kind of roasted on Twitter. Like, this is the worst NBA shot I've ever seen. And I just was like, I had a dead on view of it. <laughs> Just was thinking. I, I thought it was a pass. I thought it was a pass. <laughs> the the fucked up part about it is like I can put myself in Giannis's shoes and be like, damn, how cool is that? The couple of times he's made it, and when he made it against the Sixers last year, to like, <laughs> or was it the Sixers or was it the Nets? I can't remember. Well, which, there was the Nets. The Nets. Who That's where he became the all-time leading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was two years ago like, in that Brooklyn. Literally, it couldn't have happened at a worse time for our <laughs> long-term winning. I was, I was at that game. I'll, I was covering that game. I'll never forget that shot. Like, and just seeing it, and because just... they took the lead in that game, it was like with a healthy. Yeah. KD and healthy yeah. Kyrie Irving. It was and it was like cool. off of a totally like fucking busted play too, right? Yeah, like it, was, it was not it was <laughs> kind of garbage. It was kind of garbage. <laughs> but uh, that was the go-ahead shot, and they won that game. Yeah. And he and took, I'm sure Giannis just, felt awesome. It's hilarious. So. He took over the all-time franchise scoring record on that shot, isn't it? People say irony is dead. It is not. Okay, that's all I got for rapid fire this week. All right. Uh, you also got a fountain pen, it seems. I do. It's it's not a pen. It's paper. It's going to be a lot of okay. paper. I do have a couple of pens and some secret analysts, so fingers crossed I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks with something for that. This week, for the first time in a long time, we have a new journal to discuss. It's the Nanami Seven Seas Writer. Now, this is just a little, comes in a little case, whatever case, the sleeve. Um this is Tomio River paper. Those who have listened to this segment, the five sickos out there have listened to this segment for a long time know um, if there is one nation that is known for having the most exceptional paper for fountain pens, it is by far Japan. Uh, there is no second place, really. There's maybe a couple American producers, but um, there's really only one place that has a sizable industry that still produces paper. That's where this is coming from. Um, Tomio River it's a it, the way the difference primarily i mean you guys can see you can kind of see from there it's nothing crazy i mean it's this is a straightforward it's pretty blank there's a couple of lines in here you're not getting this for the features some journals come with structures of like here's the date here's like a prompt here's a, there's different things that some will throw at you this is very minimalist um i just love the paper and the fact that in 480 pages like this is a huge journal um, it lies totally flat, which is super rare for a hardbound cover um, journal. Most of them have a certain sort of divot that makes it difficult to start or finish your sentences, whichever page you're on. Um, and the the really cool part about Tomio River paper is usually most paper makers treat their final product with acid. They do like an acid run over to kind of essentially firm it up, make it be able to take in and then hold on to the ink. Um, they don't run, I believe with Tomio River, they don't do acid treatment at all. So um, it's a little bit more of a pure product. It really retains ink super well. It's by far the thinnest paper 
that I run with, and yet there's no bleed through whatsoever. So uh, the the truth, there's truth in advertising. It's still out there. Um, Tomio River Paper, if you look for it, they changed up their formula of the recipe a couple of years ago, but this seems to be just as good as it has always been. Um, and I bought a whole bunch of Tomio River stuff, which I'll talk about over the coming weeks. But a writer journal, this is my daily writer that I use. Um, and I'm very pleased with it. Good value for the money. Uh, I think there's just like one company in San Francisco that imports it that I bought it from. So I'm very happy with this journal. All right. The paper mills and Kimberly Clark Corporation are <laughs> weeping that a Wisconsin native has besmirched them. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, if Wausau Paper wants to get in touch, I am my DMs are not open, but they can find me. They can find next, me. Next day, I mean, you're, it's it's dissing Wisconsin paper isn't quite like saying, "Oh, Illinois got better beer or something." But yeah, no disrespect. Where's your Where's your home state pride, Riley? Yeah, if uh, if it wasn't all just copy office paper, I'd be much happier about it. That's why I got to speak. All right, I have a film review. So I was on vacation during Thanksgiving. Uh, I was down in St. Croix, but there was some downtime in between going to the beach and me drinking rum. Sonic the Hedgehog is the movie I'm going with, and the reason is because Sterling has become obsessed with Sonic. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why it happened, but he is obsessed. So we have watched all the Sonic shows, and we watched the first and second Sonic movie. The first one... I never saw it in theaters. I think it had, when it came out, certainly was literally months old. And I was like, I don't know if it's going on in public. And this is right before COVID and everything. It was really fun. I enjoyed the movie. Um, I think it's one of those superhero. It's superhero movie, but it is something that's like, okay, I understand the plot. I understand the characters. I think it was perfectly casted. Jim Carrey It was the best part by far um, playing Dr. Robotnik. Um it was just a simple, fun movie. And like the like I said, the plot was simple. I think they did a good job at getting Sonic's personality. And I think there's still some callbacks to the games as well. So it was kind of nice having that transition where it's like you can get people that are closer to our age that remember playing Sonic as a kid and watching those shows back in the day. And then it also is able to bring in new people that might not have heard about it and want to get interested and it can bring in kids as well. So I, I enjoyed it. I think it was just the right amount lengthwise that it wasn't dry. It, it wasn't going on too long. Like it didn't feel like, Oh my God, how long is this movie? It was like an hour and a half. So that is, I, I love a movie that can be short and simple. So I had a good time. Again, some of the humor is kind of sophomoric and lazy, but it's also probably more for children than it is for adults. So I give it a seven out of 10. I, I had a good time watching it. Um, We've rewatched it multiple times now, and I'll probably talk about <laughs> the second movie uh, later on. Is is this the movie that got clowned on with its first like reveals yes. of just how this Sonic was the one that they so, had yeah. the first design, and then they had to go back and change it, and then the second yes. design, which was much better. Okay, very cool. Do people need to know the background of Sonic to understand what's happening in the movie? Okay, cool. Is it an origin no, story of Sonic, pretty- or is it? Not necessarily, it's kind of more just explaining. They do a portion in the beginning that explains who Sonic is and how, like, what he's about. Like, it did give at least a little bit of a background of him. So, it is one of those where you don't have to know because they tell you within, like, the first five to ten minutes of the movie. I did go to a taping of Colbert when I was um, doing my 
my long stint in New York a couple years ago. And um, now I'm remember I looked this up. Ben Schwartz is the guy who does his voice. Yes. He voices he was, Sonic. He was there um, as one of the guests, like as I guess part of the promotion for that. I believe. Yeah, he, he's pretty great. Like he it, again, it was casted pretty damn well. I, I will give him that. So, yeah. yeah, Sonic is on Paramount Plus. So that is where you can find it. You're you were intimately familiar with the location of Sonic. Do you think <laughs> do you think you'll see it ten plus more times? Do you think double digit oh, more? God, yeah, Sterling's yeah. Sterling's been playing <laughs> okay, it right. nonstop. Like all right, cool. <laughs> Sterling is at a Sonic the Hedgehog phase. I will probably Please. watch it at least another three or four times in the next week. You and Emma will be on my phase. I had a Sonic phase when I was a kid. I just remember having it. I don't think it lasted very long, and I just don't remember. I don't remember anything about it. I just remember having it. Well, Sterling doesn't realize that it's also a game. That's why I'm holding off as long as I can. So, all right, yeah, there we go. Sonic that John, go see it. Um, it's fun movie for family. Uh, Van, you got your warp tour. So, hit us. So, uh, it was I think the other weekend when the Bucks for the first time in franchise history had three thirty point scores with Brooke Lopez of all people leading the way, and um, then Giannis and Dame and Riley uh, in the game recap. Uh, really threw it back to my childhood by <laughs> by putting the uh, a, a hit from 1989, here I was born, um, by a group called the Bananas at Large from Amherst <laughs> Junction, Wisconsin. Not not Amherst. I've heard of Amherst. This is Amherst <laughs> Junction. Um, an art teacher, an art and science teacher, and a piano tuner. And another junior high teacher wrote this classic, The Turdy Point Buck. Um, <laughs> and I guess it got on with Dr. Domeno a bunch. Um, that's that, that's a song I, I remember hearing like in middle school. So you mm-hmm. know, it have been around for quite a while. I didn't realize it was that old. But it reminded me of another one, which is more the focus of the Warp Tour this week. But I, I'm thinking about it because it's from the same era. We got late the early 90s let's say like 1989 into like 1993 let's think about the broader trends in music at that time we have the rise of of grunge out of the hair metal of the 80s um great i mean i'm a i'm a big soundgarden nirvana guy obviously riley you are too um that's kind of what's going on in rock uh in in hip-hop hip-hop is becoming more mainstream you're starting to get into like the golden era maybe some would say of like it becoming like you know popularized and starting to get on the radio uh other like i don't know what's going on in country music or other popular no music cares. but but <laughs> there's a small movement going on in wisconsin around this time it's like a kind of polka revival of some sort <laughs> And the Happy Schnapps combo were a part of this with uh, a number of albums. Their 1991 album, Raise It, featured a song that I also remember from my younger days called No, I Don't Want to Do That. And um, if you're of a certain age from Wisconsin, you probably know this song. Do you guys know this song? Wow. I'm surprised you don't, Riley. If you know know, uh, 30 Point Buck... Um, which that's a that's a masterpiece like the lyrical content of that song is outstanding yes um, yeah the lyrical content of 
this particular song and like the other songs by the happy schnapps combo you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna compare it to bob dylan or anything like that but um the lyrics uh the the entire lyrics of the song are just a series of questions um questions are answered one of two ways all these there's a variety of questions it starts do you want to go to work today do you want to pay some bills do you want to shovel snow do you want to do the dishes Do you want to buy insurance Do you want to go to illinois do you want to eat sushi do you want to get a haircut do you want to go to prison all those are answered no i don't want to do that um <laughs> but then at the end this of every verse tale of two wisconsin you know how the people say yes yes this yes. is yeah. this band is from manitowoc um home of Stephen avery um yeah so uh very much like we, we, we let's let's call it manticore manitowoc core that's what they call it <laughs> yeah manty um yeah like it's it is that i, I look i i stay in touch with that side of wisconsin because i have relatives on that side but <laughs> the other questions are uh so the questions that are answered the other way are you know do you want to go out to a bar do you want to do a shot with me <laughs> um and those are answered yeah 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 and then it goes into a spirited <laughs> um polka <laughs> breakdown oh sorry one of the ones i missed uh kyle sorry do you want to watch soccer no i don't want to do that so yes. <laughs> it, it, that's yeah that's fair i mean these are men from wisconsin um the names are uh, have you know like last name legends kruger Legend. yeah uh, rich kruger uh hans stulo otis stuka okursi uh kaiser Berner von kraut that's not his real name i don't think but these were the members of the happy schnapps combo so there you go i and i will say i'm on their website right now their website is their website's messed up (laughs) their website's messed up but it is current and i love the discography the name of the albums like they could definitely have been a hardcore band 100 (laughs) ear muscle with some of these album covers i love (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the I will give a shout out to their their page on their website, Alcohol of Fame. Love yeah, that. Yeah. Huge, huge shout out and respect. So good yeah, find you go. this week, man. In the in <laughs> in the alcohol or uh in the alcohol of fame, uh Toronto Mayor Rob Ford, Lindsay <laughs> Lohan, um yeah. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. R.I.P. Rob Ford. <laughs> All right, Pete, do a real one. All right. Didn't think you uh, were going to get us out of here, Kyle. Let's, let's wrap All it up. All right. We're going to – so <laughs> weekly prediction. The games are all going to be – so there's at least a game th- Tuesday against the Knicks. There is a game Thursday, who and where we don't know. And depending on how the Bucks do, there might be a game Saturday. I'm just going to go with this. Are the Bucks going to be in-season tournament champions by the time we record on Sunday? Nah, I don't think so. I always take the field. Oh, man. Riley's going to say I, yeah. I, get, I got really burned by our Celtics take, Kyle and I. And people <laughs> That's people it. held That's us it. accountable in the comments for those takes. So I'm going to yep. say we are going to win it all. But I fully acknowledge that Van is the right event that take the field for sure. I think if they have to play Indiana, they're going to lose. Indiana <laughs> is going to be highly motivated to win the in-season I tournament. I can't, A young I can't team that hasn't us. proven anything. That's I the can't. exact kind of team that wants to win that tournament. 
I can't live in a world where we're getting stunted on by the Pacers in Vegas. I can't. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't give me that. I can handle the Celtics. Please. Not the, Pacers. <laughs> the Bucks will beat the New York Knicks on Tuesday because yeah, Julius I think Randall be the will Knicks. not show up. Yeah. The Bucks will then face Boston and get revenge because Boston, <sighs> even though okay. they will shoot 40% from three again, Giannis will not miss like eight layups. Then we get to the final where they take on the Phoenix Suns and they win. <laughs> okay, great. It's happening. I love it. Someone's got to be overly optimistic here, and I, I will gladly take that mantle. So that is all that we have for this episode. Make sure to check us out at brewhoop.com. We will have all of our weekly pieces, Monday morning media roundup, the Tuesday tracker, weekly Wednesday roundup, Thursday, I don't van with your progress report. Yeah. Friday is going to be the question and antlers. So we will have all of that plus game coverage plus social media stuff. So make sure to check us out. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. And we will talk to you next time.